0: And welcome to the Mindful Shape podcast. I'm Paula Parker, and I'm a life and weight loss coach. It's kind of funny because sometimes I sit down to do this podcast, and I'm like, "What can I possibly say here?" You know, when you're just kind of in it. I feel like I'm I'm coming out of it now, but last week was um, it was a week. Let me just say. So I was sick. You might be able to hear it. I'm still a tiny bit nasally, um, and my toddler was sick. Those of you with kids know how fun that is. Plus, my husband was away for. For work and my in laws, who usually help us out, they are also away. So (laughs) it was just a lot. So I really scoured the depths of my brain on this one. And here's a topic that I really do feel I can confidently speak to today because it is something I truly feel like I've overcome. And I know, you know, there are lots of um, weight loss podcasters out there, and I get the sense that most of them are coming from this after photo. (laughs) you know what I mean? They're just coming from it as they've already reached all of their goals. Um, But not this one. This one's a little bit different. This podcast is a little bit different. We are definitely more in this together than you might think. Okay, but. Let's get on topic. So here's what I would really love to share with you if you are finding yourself overthinking food and your weight. So let's talk about how first overthinking food shows up for you, why it's happening and what to do about it in really practical terms. The first thing that I see a lot and I noticed with myself uh, for many years is that we, when it comes to overthinking food, we are either in the future or in the past. So in the future, you might be spending more time than you want to be thinking about what you're going to be eating, right? So this can look like trying to plan for every possible event or every variability that could happen. Or it could be thinking about when to eat, given your schedule and feeling a bit stressed about that. Another thing that sometimes people will do is um, I call it like food fantasizing. <laughs> so this is sometimes, I think sometimes if we just need a distraction, we'll start thinking about the foods that we would really want to enjoy. There was this um, podcast or sorry, um, website that I saw years ago, they probably still have it called food porn. And it's just pictures of delicious looking food, right? So if you have ever gone to that website, or if you find yourself going to that website still, this is creating a lot of over-desire for food. So just something to be mindful of. Sometimes we can be entertaining thoughts about snacking or just eating foods that don't serve our body, right? We're thinking a lot about those foods when we would rather be thinking about other things, but just find that's happening for us. And then lastly, in terms of future thinking about food, we also sometimes pack on that we shouldn't be thinking so much about food or we shouldn't be desiring the food or wanting it. And then lastly, sometimes we're just dreading future restriction. So we're thinking about later or we're thinking about this week and we're really dreading restricting food from ourselves. When it comes to overthinking uh, in terms of the past, that's when we're ruminating on what we ate. So whether you're thinking about whether you ate too much or you're worried that maybe you didn't eat enough. And both of those really create fear. So either fear of hunger or fear that you might gain weight or just maintain your weight. Thinking you ate too much can also lead, of course, to guilt, feelings of shame, and thinking you might not have eaten enough can lead to Feeling overwhelmed and confused, like you don't even know what to do, and even panic about being really hungry later on. And if you have a negative association with being hungry, this can be a legit fear. You basically start second guessing yourself, and you might even fall into that all or nothing thinking that happens so often. So either you're just deciding, Okay, I just give up, I don't want to deal with this anymore, and you think it's hopeless, anyways, so you might as well eat whatever you want. Or you start considering a really super strict way of eating something that may not be sustainable, like cutting out sugar and flour forever, or doing some long-term fasting. If any of this resonates with you, know that you're just not alone here. These thoughts are very common to those of us who have been on a weight loss journey, who have really, or have tried any kind of diet. And there are thought patterns that have been etched in our brain over and over, which is why we keep thinking them. Our brain uses a lot of metabolic energy. So to conserve energy, it will use the same neural pathways. It always has the ones that our body has memorized in your brain because it's simply more efficient and requires less energy. So it's actually an efficiency system. think the same thoughts over and over again, which is also why it's hard to think new thoughts, (laughs) but that's why you're listening to this, right? So we can plant some new thoughts into your brain. Up until this point, you might have believed that this is just your reality as a person who's trying to lose weight and you might hate it. (laughs) You might want out, but you've been doing this since maybe you were a teenager, right? And so it's kind of like the only way you know how to be at this point, ruminating on what you eat, when to eat, how much to eat, and feeling a lot of doubt about the whole thing. Is it going to help you lose weight? What if you start feeling terrible, like you start going through withdrawal from sugar, that kind of thing. And so that really explains why meal plans or really specific diets can be attractive. We want someone else to come up with a solution to tell us to eat this and you'll get what you want right? It's like the guarantee, but it usually doesn't last either because it's too expensive to eat like that forever, or it's simply not convenient, or you just don't feel satisfied eating what they tell you to eat. So instead I want to offer that it's much more valuable to you to get to know your own body and become your own weight loss strategist. What happens when you do this is that you learn how to build trust with your body you know how to make decisions around food and you have far less rebellion because you are the one creating the rules and the guidelines, right? And it's not about perfection. So your rules don't have to be super strict either. When someone else tells you how to eat, you're just not as likely to have as much buy-in from your brain as when you've made the decision from a place of confidence and you really like your reasons, So if you're thinking, that sounds great, but how do I even do that? (laughs) If you want food to be simply a part of your life, something that nourishes you and you enjoy and eat in a healthy, but not dogmatic way. (laughs) And then once you've eaten, you don't ruminate on what you ate. You need to start living as if you are someone who trusts themselves around food and makes decisions ahead of time. So let me explain what I mean by that. I want to zoom way out and get to the heart of why all of this overthinking is even happening. That's your foundation, like the foundation on the house. If we get that right, we will stop all of this overthinking at the root. Often our tendency is to think that we can simply keep making habit or dietary changes, and that's the problem. Like if I could just stop snacking after dinner or stop eating candy, I wouldn't be thinking about food all of the time. I wouldn't be all in this mind drama and overthinking food, but that's kind of like putting down new tile on a crooked floor. And I think of this example, because for over a decade, I lived in a apartment building in Vancouver, in Kitsilano, if you're familiar with Vancouver. And I stayed there for so long because it was a bit run down, but it was pretty much rent controlled, right? And it was close to the beach. So very cool. It's one of those buildings that you see and you think, you know, that has a ton of character, <laughs> right? So they run down, I think it was built in the twenties or something, and it definitely had its quirks. One of which was that the kitchen floor was slanted into the center of the building. So if you dropped a marble, it would roll right in to the center by the cabinets. So I did my best to spruce the place up, right? I had a tiny budget, but I used those sticky tiles on the floor. And it was an improvement for sure, but it was never going to address the structural issues of the building, right? Right. And then after I moved, they gutted the whole thing and they turned it into luxury apartment suites. They probably charged, I don't know, three times what I used to pay. And I'm kind of curious, like, were they able to fix that floor issue? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if they were able to. Okay. So back to the main topic. What I'm suggesting is that we turn you into someone who can trust themselves around food. Because if you think about it, when you're at your natural weight, when you reach that point, that's really what you want. You don't want to be skinny and still have lots of food drama. So let's start building that skill now and make the whole process calmer and simpler along the way. An identity shift is what is required here to do that. So how we do that is by focusing not on your end goal, but on who you want to be today how you want to show up in the world and support yourself through the weight loss process. That's so key. So I'm just going to repeat it again. Instead of focusing on the 10, 30, 60 pounds you want to release, instead of that focus, put your time and attention to the kind of woman you want to be around food. So let's make this really practical so that you can start doing it as of today. So Let's say you want to be someone who trusts themselves around food. That's your foundation. From there, if you were acting as if you did trust yourself, how would you make the following decisions? One is when to eat. If we think of hunger as a communication tool from our brain, we can respond either by letting our body use its fat stores and not eating, or we can respond by eating food. We can decide in advance how hungry we will allow our body to get before we want to respond with food. And I don't know if this is um, TMI, but not too long ago, (laughs) I was on Salt Spring visiting my father in law. And I, I think we went to bed at like 10 at night or something. As soon as I went to bed, I was like, oh, I have to pee again, right? So I went and I come back and lay down like five minutes later, maybe less. I'm like, huh. Kind of feel like I need to pee again. And I was like, oh no, right? Like I knew I had a UTI. So it was one of those things where I had to really practice mind over matter. Otherwise, I'm going to be getting up maybe every, what, two minutes or something, right? So it's one of those things, if you've ever had it, you know the experience, you feel the urge just like we feel the urge to eat. So it's a communication tool from our body in this case, right? Not accurate, but still, I thought this was a good example because it's a communication tool from your brain, sending you a message that you should do something. It's a suggestion. In this one, it was like, you need to go to the bathroom, but physically my body actually didn't need to, right? It was just like, there was an error. It was an error message. So I had to remind myself, no, you don't need to, right? You don't need to get up every two minutes. Okay. So same goes for hunger. It's just a message. It's a communication tool and we get to decide how to respond. And I know I've talked about the hunger scale before, and I've really updated how I use it. So I just want to offer this to you. Maybe this will resonate better for you as well. I find it better to use a hunger scale from zero to 10, where zero is no hunger at all and 10 is ravenous. So it's a matter of degree. So for example, if you want to let your body use up some of your fat stores, you could intentionally allow more hunger. So you might wait until you get to a seven or an eight on the hunger scale before you eat. I personally find this works better for me than creating a timing rule for myself, which I have done in the past, like I don't eat before 11am or something like that and created that rule for myself so that I wasn't thinking about food before 11. And if my brain offered the suggestion, I would just look at the clock and think, okay, it's not 11, move on, right? But I've shifted gears a little bit, so if that works for you, awesome. For me, now, if my goal is really more to trust my body and nurture that relationship, then it makes more sense for me personally to decide on a hunger level and let my body tell me when it's time. And that hunger level might be high, right? So I still might be eating at 11, but it really is going to depend on what's happening. So it depends on maybe what I ate the day before, how much sleep I've had, and maybe how active I've been. So when you've decided, I trust my body and myself, you can choose any hunger level for each meal and you'll always know exactly when to eat. Sometimes what comes up for people is questions about scheduling. Like what if your hunger level, you've decided it's a seven, but you're about to start a long shift at work and you're only at a three what do you do? Do you eat or do you not eat? (laughs) So in this case, you can decide to wait and allow your body to use its fat stores while you're working. Nothing is going to go wrong. You're not going to (laughs) die. Or you might want to eat less than you would at a hunger level of seven, which brings me to my next decision you're going to make as if you are someone who trusts their body. And that is when you will stop eating. How much do you need to eat when you are trying to lose weight? How much is too much or not enough? The only way you would ever have these questions and be second guessing yourself about how much to eat is if you are currently not paying attention to what your body is telling you. So your body knows how much to eat to be at your natural weight. Oftentimes we spend all of our time thinking about food Except when we are actually eating it, (laughs) right? So oftentimes we rush through our meals to get it over with. That can happen a lot, especially for those of us who have restricted in the past and have, I think of it as like almost a residual negative association with allowing ourselves food and the pleasure of eating. If you've ever counted calories or macros with the notion that less is better, this might be happening for you. So, Instead, what you can do is slow down, enjoy what you're eating. P.S. Only eat foods that taste good to you. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And notice in your body when you are satiated and you've had enough, right? So this requires some attention. It requires tuning into your body. And I think this is maybe the most challenging one for a lot of us It can be so easy to continue eating past the point of being satiated because we've been trained to finish our plate, right? I learned that growing up, or it simply tastes really good and we want more. We have that over desire. This is a refined skill of getting really clear on how you want to feel in your body after you've finished eating and using that as your guide as your guide to know how much to eat. And of course, I'm sure I don't have to tell you the discomfort of stopping when you mentally want more, when you have that desire, but your body doesn't is far less than the discomfort you feel when you've overeaten, right? And you're bloated and you feel gross (laughs) and not living at your natural weight. That is, I think, way more discomfort in my personal experience, right? So it's worth it to build this skill, even if it takes longer than you'd hope and you make some progress. And then it's like two steps forward, one step back on this. It's not a problem. It's a skill you'll learn over time, like any other new skill. Lastly, you'll want to explore what foods work for you. So what foods make you feel great and energized and in which quantities which foods allow the scale to go down and which keep it stagnant. We know that alcohol, sugar, flour, and deep fried foods aren't conducive to weight loss and typically don't feel that great in our bodies either, but to what degree is going to be unique to you and your body and your composition and how active you are and your age and everything. Also, sometimes you'll want to have these foods knowing that you're not going to feel so amazing, right? That's totally allowed, by the way. When you are someone who trusts your body and yourself, you will allow yourself foods simply for the pleasure once in a while, and it won't be a big deal. For many of us, that's what we're striving for here. So what's the big takeaway? To stop overthinking food, you need to be someone who trusts themselves around food And to do that, you need to decide ahead of time when you're going to eat. And by that, I just mean how hungry you will let your body be, what satiation feels like in your body to know how much to eat and when you've had enough and which foods will make you feel the best, right? Which will give you energy and still allow the scale to go down. Once you get in the habit of making these types of decisions, you'll start building that trust with your body. So it becomes a positive feedback loop. Your body will tell you when it really needs food, when it's had enough and which foods work best. You'll know based on how you feel energetically and what's happening with your digestion, your hunger cues and your fullness cues. Will you follow through every time? No, of course not. You won't. It's okay. Perfection is not necessary. And it's very important to mention that when you don't follow through, you don't make it mean something terrible about you and what you're capable of. You just take note. Oh, wow. I didn't allow my body to get to seven before eating. I wonder why, right? What are the reasons? How do I feel about those reasons? What could I try tomorrow that would allow for that? that would allow my body to get to a level of seven on the hunger scale? What would need to be different? Or I really ate past satiation last night. What would have been required of me to not go for a second helping? Just get curious, get really interested in what's going on. You strategize and you try things. Now, maybe you're like, isn't that more overthinking. (laughs) That's a lot of overthinking about food again. I hear you, but it's totally serving a different purpose. It's the type of thinking and attention that is going to move you closer to what you want. Whereas overthinking that has the energy of remorse and uncertainty only leads to spinning your wheels and creating more of the same of what you don't want. So if you're going to be focused on releasing weight, there is going to be some thinking about food required. That's just the nature of it. We just want to make sure it's the type of thinking that's useful. Okay. That's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time and attention. I appreciate it. I will talk to you again soon. Okay.